Thank you for downloading this podcast from Awakening Church. How's everybody doing this morning? You guys all look good. You do. And um, those, everyone knows we have kicked off Awakening groups. Um, some of you I know were planning on being an Awakening group. And I know nobody is sadder than Stephanie because I know Stephanie. Uh, but uh, I know that's going to be rescheduled at some point at a convenient time. So, uh, but we were able to have our awakening group. We had an awesome time. Uh, about 30 folks showed up with kids, and uh, we just kind of kicked back. Um, we had some good food. We had great conversation. Uh, we just connected, and um, I'm telling you, it was just so special for us. And so uh, if, if you have not made up your mind to become a part of one of our awakening groups, you need to make up your mind to do that. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be good for all of us uh, because we're just doing it the old-fashioned kingdom way by just loving each other. And So I've had a chance to kind of get around to some of you, and some of you told me about some of the, the you know, what you enjoyed about our time together. And so we're always open about that. And really, what we want you to draw from this is more than just a meeting we want you to draw from this that you've got somebody in the body that you can reach out to at any point. You know, I mean, if something happens in your life and you need somebody to just pray with you or you just need to kind of unload or you just need to connect and talk, whatever it is, we want you to know that you have that opportunity to do that. So we're trying to create uh, relationships, not just between Stephanie and me and, and, and Bill and Kathy, as well as Ryan and Rebecca, but just, just relationships among all of us to be able to build together. And that's really what this is all about. So uh, we're so excited. We had a great time. I want you to know I gained about four pounds in one uh, evening, and that's okay because I'm going to lose it again just as quickly as I can, but it's all good. And that way I can gain it again the next time we get together, okay? So anyway, we love you guys. Please make up your mind. You're going to become part of our groups together. And it's going to bless your life. We love you. God bless you. Amen. And um, I want us to, we're just going to pray again uh, for Stephanie. And uh, just, she's been having some uh, challenges. And uh, we just trust the Lord to uh, minister to her her body and so that's why we had to reschedule so just stretch your hand this way and let's just pray for Steph those that are around her just lay your hand on her father in the name of Jesus we thank you that you're a healer we honor you today as such we know that by your stripes we are healed so we just pray right now for healing we pray for um, immediate results in in healing we, we curse pain we come against that we know that it is not from you and so we just ask right now that you would go above and beyond what doctors are able to do and bring healing to Stephanie right now in Jesus name we honor you and we're so grateful for who you are in our lives. And so we bless her today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. So uh, Rebecca was talking about uh, Tiffany and how that she paid for someone's food. And it made me think about an amazing story I was reading the other day. There was a lady in a drive-thru and um, 
someone behind her just got so mad and irate at how long she was taking to order food. And uh, so beeping her horn and, you know, just, uh, you know, not nice at all. And so the lady gets to the window and she decides, hey, listen, I'm going to pay for the person behind me. I'm, I'm going to pay for their meal. And, um, you know, because every drive through now has got about two windows. So she gets to that window. She pays for the meal. She moves up to the next window to get the food. The person behind her realizes that uh, her meal has been paid for. And, of course, she's like, oh, man, I feel terrible. Well, the lady in front of her gets to the second window, and she says, okay, I'm, I'm ready for my food. And she said, and also I paid for the one behind me, so let me have that too. And she drove off. And uh, so <laughs> it's kind of funny. So I don't think that's what Tiffany did at all, although I'm not going to put it past Daniel. But, uh, no, I'm joking. Um, that's amazing. So I thought that was pretty good. All right. We're going we're gonna to take communion in just a little bit, not right now. Um, I, I'm going to share briefly with you today. Um, you know, there are times where um, I really want to flesh something out, and then there are moments where the Lord just speaks something that is, is very precise. And, and so that's what I'm going to do today is I'm going to be short, succinct, and uh, hopefully precise about something that I feel the Lord is saying to us. I do believe that... Um, that he's building this, he's kind of setting a foundation for some things, um, and we've we've been discussing the kingdom for a while, and uh, so I, I want to talk about another facet of that, but in regard to us personally, um, and so I want us to really just prepare our hearts to receive what the Lord is saying. I want to reiterate something that we talked about all last month when we were launching the Awakening Groups, and that's this: you were wired for connection. You were wired for connection. If you refuse that, you're going against the way that the Father created you. I want you to hear that. That, that, that you're going against the way that the Father created you. And there are, there are tons of reasons. You know, I talked even last week some about um, we put governors on our life, right? We put governors, a, a limiter that helps us to set boundaries. And a lot of times it'll sound like, I'm only going this far, or this is my limit, I won't do anymore. And what we do is we make, these, we make these internal vows, and sometimes external vows, to stop and not move forward from that position. And what happens when, when we make those internal vows, what we're doing is we're saying, I know what's best for me, and so I'm going to stay here because this is best for me. Here's what I want to say. Those governors are placed on us sometimes because of hurt, sometimes because of past relationships, sometimes because of belief patterns that we have, we have accessed. Sometimes we place those governors in our lives because of incorrect thought processes about God the Father. And we'll put these limitations and we'll say, I'm not going any further than this. And so I just want to reiterate what David said. It is imperative that we fight for connection and kingdom family because we were wired for that. We were wired for that. And so I just want to say that. Having said that, one of the things that I believe the Lord is saying to us, and, and this, is, this, is, this is where I'm going to be. So I'm going to give you the crux of everything I'm going to say right here in this, this first little bit, okay? I believe the Lord is releasing to us 
an upgrade in our mindset for victory. That's what I believe. I believe the Lord is releasing to us an upgrade in our mindset for victory. This is a result, and I want you to hear this, this is a result of true kingdom thinking that causes us to live from the place of the renewed mind. Romans chapter 12, right? Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Look, I did it. I, I didn't quote Passion Translation. I, I didn't even quote New King James. It's KJV right there. I told you all I'd do it. When I go to quote scripture, it comes out in KJV. It's, I, there's this filter in there. It's like you're going to quote it. It's KJV only. Um, it's a joke. Anyway, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be what's transformed by what? by the renewing of your mind. Now, the Passion Translation does say this. It says, do not be overcome with cultural ideals, but have a total reformation of the way you think. Here's what I wanna say. Some of you, your situation changes immediately if you learn to think different thoughts. I didn't figure you'd shout right there but it's the truth your situation adjusts when you learn to think different thoughts if you continue to think and dwell on things that are not from the realm of heaven that are not from god it affects your behavior and it affects the way that you approach situations here's what i believe the lord's doing he's giving to us an upgrade in our mindset toward victory some of you some of us some of me let me just say me spend so much time thinking about areas where i have not been victorious and some of that is because i thought i could do it all in my own self and so i would work harder i would do more sometimes i would put myself on spiritual probation because i didn't feel like i had done enough I didn't feel like I had prayed enough or read enough. Listen, that's a real thing. I, I remember, and, and saying I remember, there are times I still have to fight this. There are times I still have to fight the idea that, okay, God, I don't know if you're going to do this because I didn't do enough of this. It's anti-kingdom thinking, and it's anti-Jesus being Lord thinking. Can I just say that? It's a lordship issue. It's a lordship issue where I think that I have the ability to hinder him from moving on my behalf because I didn't do the right thing or the, the, get the right score. Now, I, I understand this is, again, this is going after some thought processes and it's going after some things. Ryan, are you saying that we can just do whatever? If you know me, I've never said that we can just do whatever we want. Abs what did Paul say? I say it almost every week now. What a terrible thought that we would continue doing the same thing over and over again. But what happens is we will, we will live this life of attempting to renew our mind and we'll go up and then we'll go down. We'll go up, then we'll go down. We'll go up and down, up and down. And it's because our life follows our thought life. What you do is not a result of what just happened to you. It's a result of how you think about what just happened to you. 
Perception is so, so important. And so I really believe that the Lord is wanting to give us an upgrade, that we would not conform or be swayed by the thought process of the world, but have a total reformation of the way we think by the renewing of our mind. Here's what it means for that. Here's what, here's what it really means for the renewing of your mind. I just want to walk through this quickly. You are brought to salvation because of conviction of what? Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit. You're brought to salvation. No one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit convicts him, right? That, that's, I know the scripture. No one comes to the Father except by Jesus. But there's also scripture that says it's the Holy Spirit that brings conviction, and that's, that's how we get there, okay? So watch this. What happens is we are dead to sin, right? We are dead in our sin. We are dead in our trespasses. Holy Spirit comes, brings revival. He revives us into salvation. We are then saved, right? That word there, renewing of the mind, and I'm not going to go super, super deep with this, but I just want you to catch this. If you study that out, when it says renewing of your mind, it is another application of the revival of the Holy Spirit. So, so, so he revives at salvation, but what happens? We were born into sin, okay? We were born into sin. One of the ways that we know this, okay, so, so it's been proven scientifically. It's been proven scientifically. You can, you can study this. Uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf, she is a, a uh, neuroscientist. She's amazing. She's full of the spirit, saved, Bible-believing lady. She's amazing. But she has proven that not only are you wired for connection, which is great, you were wired to think positive. I just want you to let that sink in. Because some people absolutely go against the wiring of God in their mind and work hard to think negative. I'm serious. You were wired to think positive. Now watch this. You were born into a fallen world. Right? You were born into a fallen world. So what does that mean? That means that I'm born into a culture and a world that wants to go against the nature that God created in me, which is to think positively. And so inevitably, one of the ways the enemy fights us is to go at our mindset so that we would begin to think in a negative aspect of who the father is. It's what he did with Eve. It's what he did with Eve, right? What, what happened in the garden? I want you to eat of the apple. No, we're not supposed to eat the apple. Why can't you eat of the apple? Because God told us not to eat of the apple. Oh, he doesn't want you to be like him goes after the mindset. The problem with that is that Eve was already like him because she was made in his image. And, and so because she's made in his image, the enemy brings in deception. So what I'm saying is the Lord wired you at conception to think positively. When I dwell on the negative and that is my response, I'm going against what he created in me at, con at conception, right? Right? Watch this. Watch this. What did Paul tell Timothy? You have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Right? So what's he saying? Break that down. You've not been given a spirit of fear. You have been given a spirit of love, 
of power and of a sound mind. What does that mean? If I live from the place of fear, I am not thinking with the sound mind that he gave me. I'm not thinking with, with sound kingdom thinking because he didn't give that to me. Are you with me? What does the enemy do? He comes to bring fear. He comes to kill, to steal, destroy. Here's, here, here's my issue. What we've done is we've elevated the enemy to this place. We've elevated him to this area where he's equal with God. How have we done that? By believing that he's the opposite of God. And so if God does this, then the opposite is what the enemy does. Listen, he's not the opposite. He is not the opposite of God. He is a fallen angel. Jesus said this. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, this is just Ryan's interpretation. But when the disciples came and he has that conversation and they're saying, oh, we can't do this and we can't do this. I believe Jesus probably did it like this. Are you kidding me? I saw that joker fall like lightning from heaven. You see what I'm saying? But, but what we do is we elevate these things because of a, a cultural mindset that gets in us that he would be the opposite of God. He's not the opposite of God. He is, he's not the opposite of Jesus. He would be more closely related to the opposite of Michael, who is a warring angel, if, if we really want to get deep into that. But what we do is we place this value on the negative, which is against the way that he created our minds to think. And that's why Paul had to say, do not be conformed to that thought process, but have a total reformation of the way you think. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's another, another level there, right? So, so living my life from the renewed mind, and here's what I've heard the Lord say, because, you know, um, man, there are times that I'll, I'll, I'll hear the Lord, and, and he'll say something, and, and it, it will be so foreign to what I'm seeing in the moment that I will completely justify my negative thought process based on the circumstances that are in, in front of me, and then I'll attribute it to God and that he must be doing this to me because I didn't do this, this, and this. So, so I'll, are you with me? Do you follow that? I'll take the negative mindset and then attribute it to some way as if I'm a martyr that he's, he's really, uh, oh, he's just doing this because I didn't do that and maybe one day I'll get better. No, 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 no. He's a loving father and I'm in a fallen world and the enemy is after my mindset. Nothing happens without first being a thought. There's a seed that is planted, and you think about it. So that's why I used to get such a kick out of people saying that people fall into sin. They did not fall into sin. They didn't trip. Ooh, my pants came down, and now I'm with the wrong lady. It, it don't happen like that. It don't happen like that. I, I, I mean, seriously, do, do, do we want to, oops, I tripped, and I just murdered 39 people as a serial killer. It just happened. I didn't even mean to. No, 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 it happened. I, I could show you statistics that say that the majority of serial killers, first of all, they didn't have a father figure in their life. The majority of them, you can go back and look at that, they didn't have a father figure. The other thing is it started with pornography. 
And it was a fulfillment issue that was never fulfilled. And then it just kept growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. Well, that would never happen to me. No, maybe it wouldn't, but a negative thought would happen. And then you become the, you you get to the place to where you're like, I don't really think God wants to help me in this moment. And what we do is we elevate the idea of, of a serial killer or someone in adultery or someone in fornication. We elevate that as a worse sin than viewing the father incorrectly and approaching him as if he doesn't really carry the nature and character that the word says he does, right? Now listen, we live, I, 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 I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. I'm not saying you're living in sin because you have an incorrect perception of the father. I'm saying what's happening is the enemy is after you and he wants to continue this cycle of deception so that you don't have a mindset that is victorious and you'll continue to do the same thing over and over and over again. Are y'all okay? You good? Okay. So you were wired by God to think positively. We're born into a fallen world, which is why our mind has to be renewed. Here's here's what I want to do. I want to give you a very practical step on how not to be negative, okay? Here's how you don't be negative all the time. Get around somebody that's that's positive and listen to what they say. Stop it. No, I'm just playing. Those of you that were in prayer meeting the other night, y'all know what that's about. (laughs) Hilarious. Go look at uh, Bob Newhart on YouTube, Bob Newhart Counseling Styles or something like that, Okay. That's his counseling style for everything. Stop it. The other thing, some of you ladies were hoping that I would give you permission that every time your husband's negative to whack him upside the head, right? So that's another, no. No, here's, here's, here's a very practical way to get out of negative thinking. Learn how to remember well. Learn how to remember well. We spend a lot of time remembering what we think God didn't do for us. We spend a lot of time dwelling on how God didn't answer the prayer exactly the way that we wanted him to. Do you want him to do it according to your ability to perceive it? Or do you want him to do it exceeding abundantly above what you can ask or think? I can't get no help in this Presbyterian church. Seriously. Do you want him to do it to where you're in charge? Or do you want him to do it where he really has the place of preeminence on your heart and in his own timing? Hey, listen, I can tell you over the last two years, I can give you some real personal testimony about how there were some things in my life and in my family that I wanted the Lord to do, and I wanted him to answer it just the way that I wanted to right now. But I can tell you, waiting on him, it's better. It's better than anything I could have ever imagined or ever dreamed that it would be. Even though I thought I knew the answer and I thought that I, it was coming from this place of I've lost victory in this area, God. And so I need you to fix it the way that I know you should fix it. And I've realized that his way is better. And so he wants to give us an upgrade. He wants to give us an upgrade in our victorious mindset. Are you good? Psalm 78, verse 3 through 7. Psalm 78, verse 3 through 7. And I'm doing this out of the New King James Version because I love the poetic imagery here. And I love 
what the musician is saying. Now, here's the thing. If you read the Bible, I implore you, I implore you, if you read the Bible, to find the context in which the scripture is being written. It will change the way that you study. If you don't read the Bible, start, start it. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> and, and read the context in which it was written. It changes the way that things are going, okay? I'm going to give you a scripture in a moment in Chronicles where David is rejoicing about the Lord coming through and taking care of things. But this scripture that I'm about to read you, some of you have probably already started reading, but stop, stop it, listen to me. This is written by one of the chief musicians, Asaph, about God's kindness during Israel's rebellion. That's the context of the scripture. We read the Psalms, right? We read them all the time. We're like, oh man, the musicians and David. Of course, we attribute every Psalm to David. He didn't write every one. I wish he did, but he didn't. But, but we read, oh man, he read that and he must have known everything about God and it was amazing. And we forget that he sinned with Bathsheba. We forget that his son Absalom uh, came against him. We forget that, that he had, all, we forget that he failed and, and did the census anyway. All these different things. And so I want you to really think about context in this. And this is about God's kindness in Israel's rebellion okay it's about his kindness in Israel's rebellion watch this okay I'm picking up verse 3 where Asaph has just said I'm gonna I'm gonna say some things to you okay that's that's what he says verse 1 and 2 I'm gonna say some things verse 3 which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us we will not hide them from their children telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord remember the context and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments." Come on, do you see that? Kindness in Israel's rebellion. The musician says, I want you to know about the goodness of God. I don't want you to hear about the rebellion. I don't want you to hear about Egypt. I don't want you to hear about all of these other things that happened. I want you to know of the goodness of God. This is, I, I went into a writing session a couple of weeks ago, um, and, and we, were, we, were, we were writing some music um, that's coming out of the revival and the, the mosaic thing that's happening in Kentucky. And, and I sent a text, and I said, listen, this is what I want us to do. I want us to write songs that we want our children to know about God and 15 years. I, I, I want us to write things that, that our children know about 15 years from now. And, and so we really began to, to, to prophesy in, in, in some of the lyrics that we were writing. And, and I did it in our staff meeting the other day, too. I said, listen, I want you to read this, and then I want you to write music to it. And they did. The staff did. I mean, beautiful stuff. It, it, it's amazing. But here, here's, here's what I want you to get. In the midst of rebellion... Asaph said, he wrote a song, I want you to talk about the goodness of God. I want you to talk about the hope that he brings. Why? Because he's helping people remember well. If you read the rest of this, if you read the rest of this chapter, this chapter is amazing. The Lord tells through the musician the thing that grieved him about the Israelites. Before I read this, I would have thought that what grieved him was idolatry. 
because it happened over and over again. I would have thought that he would have referenced in the book of Judges and Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Go do a word study on that and find out how many times it's in the book of Judges. Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. There was no king in Israel and every man did whatever was good in his own sight over and over and over and over and over again. And that's what I would have thought grieved him, but here's what it said. What grieved the Lord was that they did not remember how he brought them out of Egypt. They did not remember the mighty works that he had done. And here's what it says. Because they couldn't get this right. I read this scripture some years ago. I don't even remember when. And it changed the course of my life because he said this. He consumed their days in futility. How many days have been consumed with futility because we don't think from a place of victory and we don't have a mindset that he's really for us. How many days? I, I can't count the days actually. But I have determined in my heart that that's not the story that will be written about the rest of my life. I wanna think right about him. I, I wanna know who he is. I promise I thought these notes would go a lot faster. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop here, I think. I think I'm going to stop. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm going to say this right here. If you look back up, it's about verse 4 or 5. I'm not sure. I don't have the numbers here. But it says that he established a testimony in Jacob. He established a testimony in Jacob. I just want to give you a, a brief synopsis about the word testimony in the Old Testament, Okay. That word is pictured by those in Jewish culture. You know, everything has a, has a word picture in the Hebrew, okay? It's pictured as this ascending, ascending funnel, this ascending circular thing that goes up and up. And rabbis have said this. It, when they see the word testimony, it actually means to do again. He established a testimony in Jacob. Now, some of y'all will remember me teaching about Jacob and the fact that Jacob is the one who was the trickster. Jacob is the one who was the supplanter. That's, that's what his name means. He's the one who really did live up to the identity that was given him as a heel grabber. You remember Jacob and Esau came out, he grabbed the heel because he wanted to get ahead. He really did live up to that. But there's something that happened in the midst of Jacob's life as he's wrestling with God, as he goes through life and literally becomes a nation. Because, you know, before Israel was a nation, Israel was a family. And before Israel was a family, Israel was a man. Right? And Jacob was that man. But watch this. There's scripture that says this, I could find no guile in Jacob. Come on. I could find no guile in Jacob. And, and being, being the, 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 the student that I am, when I read that, I thought, well, let, let me help you. Because I can find some and I can show you where he messed up. I can show you where he lived up to his name. 
But, but it happened, it just happened to be when, when Balak had paid Balaam to prophesy negativity over the children of Israel, right? He hired him to do that. Amazing stuff in the Bible. I mean, it's, you don't need soap operas. It's amazing stuff in the Bible. And he hires Balaam, and Balaam goes out, and he's ready to prophesy doom over Israel. And it's, it's like he looks back and he's like, bro, I can't find nothing wrong with Jacob to say. I can't find anything wrong with him. And he could not curse Israel. All he could do was bless them. But you can't curse what God has blessed, eh, Jarvis? So the power of the testimony, what's he saying? So testimony, are y'all with me? Yes. Testimony, to do again. It's, 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 a, it's a unique word. It's a unique word. It's like eduth or iduth. It's, it's weird in the Hebrew. But the word picture is that it's an ascending funnel, and it means to do again. So what it means is that every time I come to that point, I release the testimony, and I remember what he did and that he wants to do it again. I remember what he did and he wants to do it again. I've established a testimony in Jacob. I I birthed a nation out of Jacob. I birthed a nation out of the one whose identity was in negativity in being a crookster, in being the one who was a trickster. But I took that and I was able to shape it into the formation of the nation. Come on. So you know what I say over my family? I say in 1985, Dee Bain looked in a mirror and he said, I'll not have colon cancer, not one more day. Listen, I've been talking about it a lot because I'm remembering it over and over again when I talked to him and he just turned 98 years old. And he said, I'm so thankful to be at home. He said it to me just the other day. He said, I'm so thankful to be at home because me and the Lord in my chair. I mean, he literally just said it again. You've heard him say it, but he said it again just a couple of weeks ago. He said, I love just encountering him in this place and there's nobody to to bother me and there's nothing to do. And he said this, he's so upset right now. Listen, 98-year-old Papa is just upset because his home church in his estimation is not doing anything. Oh, I, every time I talk to him, he talks to me about the Mentone Church of God. And he, do you know what his solution is? I'm going to run around this room. His solution is not that he wants to just go have a service. He said, I wish they'd let me come and do a two-month revival. I wish that not a week. Not not a couple of days. He said, I wish they'd let me come and do a two-month revival. And you know what? He would drive there, and he'd do it every night. He would. He would do it. But I remember the testimony that he was healed. He was healed. You know what else? I remember. I remember when little four- and five-year-old Ryan was told that there was a tumor in one eardrum that was on the way to his brain. There was a hole in another eardrum. And the doctor gets in there. And as soon as he touches it, it dissolves. And he comes out and talks to my parents and says, listen, I know that it wasn't what I did, but the Lord 
helped him because when I touched it, it dissolved. What was the enemy after? He was after the ear. But he really wasn't after the ear. He was after the sound. And I remember, I remember that there was this moment. I remember that there were some moments where my kids weren't doing exactly what I thought they should do. But now the testimony, the testimony is different. And I remember that point and it ascends and it means he's going to do it again. What's it mean? It means from generation to generation to generation to generation. Come on. He wants to give you an upgrade. Some of you right now, you need to go home today and you need to write down the testimonies of why you shouldn't be here, but you are because the Lord stepped in and did something in your life and you need to let it break the power of the culture and negative thinking and receive the upgrade in a mindset of victory that the Lord has released. Listen, some of you still shouldn't be married. Some of you shouldn't be here today because of the car wreck. Some of you shouldn't be here because of decisions you made. But guess what? Here you are. Here you are. And there's another generation that needs to know it's the kindness of the Lord that led me to repentance. It's the kindness of the Lord that guided the car. It's the kindness. I remember, this isn't even my testimony, but I remember my friend telling me he was driving down the road and it was crazy fog, if I remember correctly. Isn't that right, David? It's crazy fog. And for some reason, he felt like he needed to get over in the other lane. Am I telling it right? And as soon as he gets over in the other lane, he couldn't see in front of him. There was a stopped car on the interstate that he would have hit going 60, 70 miles an hour. Probably 80. I don't know how he drives. But uh, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But he said, I don't even know why I got over. I just felt like I needed to get over. And at the moment he did, at the moment he did, that's what we remember. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. You say, well, my family, I don't know, my family, I don't come from a long line of, of believers. I, I heard one fellow say, he said, I come from a long line of heathens. But yet he stands there loving the Lord. And I say, guess what? It's a testimony. He'll do it again. Do you know that they overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they loved not their life unto the death? There's something in the power of testimony that releases a victorious mindset that says, I know he wants to do it again. Come on. You could go healing after healing, relationship after relationship. And I'm telling you that he wants to do it again. I'm done. Josh, go ahead and come on. We're going to get ready for communion. Let me, let me just say this really fast. There's five places in the Bible where God said, I want you to tell your children. I want you to tell them something. One was the institution of the Passover. I want you to tell them that it was the last hour that plagues had come to a nation, that it was as difficult as it could possibly be in Egypt. But I gave instructions and they put blood over their door and the death angel passed by. And every place in the nation, except for those who had blood over the door, every place in the nation lost their firstborn son. But not you. I want you to tell your children that. Tell of the provision. I want you to tell your children about how when you left that life, when you left that world in Egypt, I want you to tell them that you went into the wilderness and you didn't know how you were going to make it. 
And then manna started raining from heaven, literally rained from heaven, provision for them to eat. I want you to tell your children. Listen, we spend so much time telling our children the negative things that have happened in life. And sometimes we tell them with our actions. Sometimes we tell them with our attitude. And you know what? Sometimes we crush dreams because we say, well, that's probably not going to happen because, 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 because. You were wired for better than that. Number 16, the rebellion of Korah. You better teach your kids and tell them how to look at authority correctly. Joshua 4, when they crossed over the Jordan River and built a memorial. Tell them. Take them to the river. Take, you know what I do? Every time I get a chance, if I have the opportunity, I take my kids. We'll go to Cane Ridge. I want them to see it. I want you to see where revival happened. I want you to see. During, when we were doing some homeschooling, that was a field trip. That was a field trip. We're going, and you're going to see where revival came and swept through into Kentucky. Because I'm going to tell you about a second great awakening, because you're going to be part of a third one. Tell them. Take them to the river and show them how you crossed over. And then he said, I want you to tell them about the institution of the Feast of Purim. I want you, I want you to tell them about how he pulled down royalty to establish Esther as a queen in a foreign nation so that he could save a nation. I want you to tell him. I want you to tell him. Can I prophesy? Can I prophesy? You know, I, I, before I prophesy, let me complain a little bit. I was heated at the election. I was heated. 5,500 votes. Less than 5,500 votes for a candidate who openly says, I'm for late-term abortion, and a whole list of other things, but ultimately that's what gets me. I'm for late-term abortion. And you know what makes me even more mad? In my city, two to one, he got the vote. Do you know why? Can you hear me today? Can you hear with ears today? You've heard me say it before. Louisville is unto Kentucky, and Kentucky is unto the nation. Let it ring different today. Let it ring different. And I heard the spin. I heard the deception. I, I, I actually sat back and said, I really can't believe that I'm hearing people of God that would spin this and say abortion is a, a, it's a federal issue and so you can't do anything on the state level. Oh, yeah? Well, let me just say this. There were multiple abortion clinics in Kentucky, and now there's only one. So we'll find out what, what that looks like. But watch this. Watch this. Watch this. I'm not going to dwell on that because he didn't create me for that. He created me to be positive. He created me to be positive, so what does that mean? I have a story to tell. I remember in 2000, end of 2012, 2013, I got to go and have a prayer meeting in the Women's Choice Resource Center which shares a wall with the only abortion clinic in the city of Louisville. And I went into that prayer meeting along with a host of others. Some of y'all were there. And I laid hands on that wall. 
And I said, I speak life in the name of Jesus. Give, give these ones who are performing the abortion, give them dreams and visions and encounters. And so what's the testimony? I'm going to look back and I'm going to say, guess what? There was a moment where we were so close to it ending in our state. And then it looked like, it looked like hope had fallen. But it never changed the position of Jesus as king. And now we can look in a state that does not have any abortion clinics. It's happening. It's happening. I want you to hear me. It's happening. And I don't care if they establish five more in the state before it happens. It is happening because there are seeds that have been planted and the seeds of the kingdom are incorruptible. That's for somebody right there. You've planted seeds in things in your children in relationships and other things. And I want to tell you, those seeds are incorruptible. They have to produce something at some point. Tell your children how he brought a nation out. Tell your children. Because he wants to do it again. Some of you are being absolutely battered with life right now. Some of you are being battered with life. And I'm telling you, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, this is not theory and this is not opinion. The word of the Lord is that he wants to give you an upgrade in a mindset of victory. He wants to change the way that you perceive things because you were wired from him you were wired from him to think positive and to have dominion. He wants to do it again. He wants to establish the testimony. Guys, do you hear me? He wants to establish the testimony. Well, I've never seen it happen in my life. Well, guess what? He's not going to stake his reputation on not doing it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And guess what? He's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. There are things that we have prayed in our life that we've had to deal with throughout our, our, our time on this earth. And we have said, it stops right now. And it does not go on to another generation. It stops. Whether it's a mindset, whether it's a thought process, whether it's a mentality, whatever it is, we choose to allow the thought process of the kingdom to dominate. Do we get it right all the time? No. No, that's why I'm grateful for words that say, I want to give you an upgrade in the mindset of victory. You were built for dominion. You were built for the uphill climb. How can you say that I'm tired? I understand, but the psalmist said that he makes my feet like hinds feet. What does that mean? It means he built you to climb. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. He wants to give you an upgrade. He wants to give you an upgrade. He wants to give me an upgrade in the way that I think. No more fear telling me what to do. No more fear telling you what to do. No more fear. If that's your first response, I want you to create in you a habit. I want you to create in you a habit that says, I will not allow fear to tell me what to do. I will not allow fear to tell me what to do. If it sounds like fear and if it sounds like condemnation, it is not the Lord. You hear me? If it sounds like cynicism, it is not the Lord. He doesn't speak that way. 
He doesn't speak that way. I know that you can look back in your history and you could give me example after example after example of where it looked like all hell broke loose and it didn't happen the way you wanted to. I know it. Some of you are very proficient at doing that, actually, telling me what has gone wrong over and over and over again. But I want you to understand that's not what you need to remember. Do I ignore it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm not telling you to ignore it. I'm telling you that when you feel those things, it doesn't get to become the leader. It doesn't get to become the leader. It doesn't get to become the thing that dominates your life that you pass on to generation after generation after generation. It's victory. It's victory. So we're going to take communion. Why? Because he said, do this to remember me. Do this to remember me. Ushers, if you would go ahead and help me. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. You can find us online at awakeningky.com.